the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The city of Mariupol falls to Russian troops. The combat mission in Mariupol has ended. Important primary races in several states. The Trump-backed Congressman Ted Budd defeated former Governor Pat McCrory quite handily. Is the U.S. headed for an economic downturn? The strength that we see in consumer and businesses is enough to weather the downturn. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, May 18th. I'm Mike Scott. Thousands across the country attended the nationwide theatrical release of Dinesh D'Souza's new documentary, 2,000 Mules. And now you can watch it from the comfort of your own home at Salem Now. Did operatives stuff ballot drop boxes during the 2020 election? Was the 2020 election really the most secure election in American history? Or were there widespread voter irregularities that have previously gone unreported? In this new film, with meticulous research from truthavote.org, D'Souza examines these claims using geospatial and telemetric data along with security camera footage obtained through open records requests to track the movement of so-called mules as they visit ballot drop boxes in multiple states around the country. Watch the documentary and decide for yourself. Go to SalemNow.com to watch 2,000 Mules on your computer or mobile device. Or download the Salem Now app on your smart TV to see 2,000 Mules. Sponsored by the Salem Media Group. The Ukrainian military pressed its counteroffensive against Russian troops on Wednesday, pushing them back further from the northeast city of Kharkiv. However, those gains were offset by the loss of the city of Mariupol, as reports suggest that Ukrainian soldiers at a steel plant in that city have surrendered. Ukrainian fighters are reportedly being transported to Russian-controlled territory, where, according to Ukraine's deputy defense minister, they will ultimately be traded in a prisoner swap for Russian soldiers. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby says that, according to Ukrainian defense officials, the mission for the city of Mariupol is over. The combat mission in Mariupol has ended. I think uh, we, we certainly would defer to them, the Ukrainians, to define... Uh, what's going on there. Kirby says that in spite of the loss of the city of Mariupol, Ukrainians are still fighting in the eastern part of their country. But it's it's clear that the Russians still have an intent here to uh, to encircle and to occupy the, the Donbass and the east, eastern part of the country. I would add, Lita, that they have not succeeded in that. Mariupol aside, the fighting still goes on in the Donbass. There's a lot of back and forth. It's a very, as 
we say at the Pentagon, it's a kinetic fight. There's a lot going on still there, and the Ukrainians are still putting up a very stiff resistance in towns and villages uh, throughout the, the Donbass. Meanwhile, in a rare moment of candor on Russian state TV, defense columnist Mikhail Kodernok gave a damning assessment of Russia's war in Ukraine. Let's not wave about rockets in Finland's direction. This just looks ridiculous. The biggest flaw in our military and political situation is that we are in total geopolitical solitude. And the whole world is against us, even if we don't want to admit it. And we need a way out of this situation. Retired General Michael Hurling joins CNN discussing the loss of the city of Mariupol and statements made by the Russian defense columnist. Well, if we can't believe anything Russia has said in terms of the treatment of prisoners thus far, because they have not done so, they have shown us what they are. But secondly, you know, what I'd say in terms of the fighters in Mariupol, they have done a masterful job in terms of delaying and distracting Russian forces. Estimates are that somewhere between 12 and 14,000 Russian troops were involved in that action, trying to, to maintain the logistics supply from from Rostov in Russia all the way to Odessa, and it took them almost two months uh, out of their norm that they could not allow the Russian troops uh, to move further north into the Donbass area to fight. So this action by the Ukrainian forces in the Azovstal uh, plant, even though it was very troublesome and very worrying, a lot of casualties and a horrible condition, it really saved uh, a, a lot of Ukrainians' lives if they pinned down those forces in that plant. Hurling says Kadornyak highlighted the failures of the Russian military in Ukraine. I happened to listen to the entire speech by Colonel Kadornyak, and what he basically did was a damning combination of every aspect of the Russian attack, from the tactical competencies of the soldiers and the generals to the operational design of the fight, to the strategic uh, requirements that Putin put on his forces. They were not capable of achieving those kinds of strategic goals across the front. Hurtling went on to tell CNN that many military strategists understood from the start of the war that Russia wasn't going to meet their goals. Many of us saw that from the very beginning when you're talking about only allocating 190,000 soldiers, which seems a lot. But when you're talking about allocating them along seven different axes of advance, along a frontage of almost 1,400 miles with different military objectives to seize and secure cities of over a million, in one case, three million Ukrainian population, it's just not capable of coming true. And I think Colonel Kadornak actually nailed it from the standpoint of addressing each one of Putin's strategic and operational and tactical uh, implications on this. The Biden administration announced new steps to ease the national shortage of baby formula, including allowing more imports from overseas. Officials also reached an agreement to restart a shuttered baby formula factory from Abbott, the largest in the U.S. Neither step will have an immediate effect on tight supplies, that have left many parents searching for formula online or in food banks. FDA Commissioner Robert Callop says the administration was streamlining its review process to make it easier for foreign manufacturers to begin shipping more formula into the U.S. The FDA expects that the measures and steps it is taking within for formula manufacturers and others will mean more and more supplies on the way 
or on store shelves moving forward. Caliph says they are opening the baby formula market so other companies can sell here and more products can get onto store shelves. We've set up a mechanism that streamlines the ability for companies that do not normally sell infant formula in this country to do so. And it provides other flexibilities to domestic distributors who can help increase availability. Califf went on to say that regulators have reached a deal to allow Abbott to restart its Michigan-based plant, which has been closed since February due to an investigation into contamination issues. With increased production by other manufacturers, the many actions we've take, been taking and the potential for Abbott Nutrition Sturgis facility to resume production in the near term, the FDA expects supply to continue to improve over the next couple of months. The FDA commissioner also says that the government does understand the frustrations parents feel and is moving quickly to help companies make more baby formula. We know many parents and caregivers are feeling frustrated by their inability to access needed or desired infant formula and critical medical foods. Please know that we at the FDA are doing everything in our power to address these challenges as quickly as possible. After getting the FDA's okay, Abbott said it will take 8 to 10 weeks before new products begin arriving in stores. The company did not set a timeline to restart manufacturing. Tuesday was primary day in several states. Former President Donald Trump facing another test in his ability to try and shape a new generation of Republican members of Congress as voters in several states, including Pennsylvania and North Carolina, went to the polls to decide whether to rally around some of his hand-picked choices. NBC's Chuck Todd called the Republican primary Senate race in North Carolina for a Trump-backed candidate, Ted Bud In North Carolina, in that big Senate race on the Republican side, didn't even make it a half an hour. The Trump-backed Congressman Ted Budd defeated former Governor Pat McCrory quite handily. Budd will be facing off against Democrat primary winner Sherry Beasley. We did expect Bud to win, but as you say, Chuck, this was quite early in the night. Bud is going to take on former North Carolina Chief Justice Sherry Beasley, who the NBC News Decision Desk can now project as the Democratic Senate nominee in North Carolina. Todd also called the Democrat primary race for John Fetterman, who was recovering in the hospital in Pennsylvania. That we would be able to call this before 9 p.m. Connor Lamb, in many ways, the avatar of what I think the Biden folks thought would be what the new Democratic Party under yep. Biden would look like. Yep. And instead, it's it's John Fetterman. Pennsylvania's choice for Republican candidate for governor is Doug Mastriano, also backed by the GOP and former President Donald Trump. In the race for Pennsylvania's next governor, Doug Mastriano has won uh, the primary, the Republican primary there. Of course, Mastriano was endorsed in recent days by former President Trump. Meantime... Republican Representative Madison Cawthorn has lost his primary bid to run for re-election in North Carolina's 11th congressional district. Republican nominee instead will be Chuck Edwards, who is currently a state senator. The Daybreak Insider podcast will continue to follow these and more election stories in tomorrow's podcast. New polling shows many voters are still skeptical of the media. Daybreak Insider's Bernie Bennett has a deep dive inside the numbers. The news media don't question President Joe Biden as aggressively as they question former President Donald Trump, according to a majority of voters who say fake news is still a major problem. 
The latest Rasmussen Report National Telephone and Online Survey finds that 54 percent of likely U.S. voters believe the news media are less aggressive in questioning President Biden than they were in questioning President Trump. Only 15 percent think the media is more aggressive with Mr. Biden, while 23 percent say the media treatment of him is about the same as it was with Mr. Trump. Those findings are unchanged since November. Bernie Bennett reporting. Trial is underway for a former Clinton campaign lawyer, Michael Sussman. On Monday, a jury was assembled. Yesterday, the jury heard opening arguments. Special counsel John Durham was at that trial but did not speak. Prosecutors began by claiming Sussman had used his personal connections in an attempt to use the FBI as a political tool. Reporter Ken Delanian, the national security correspondent for NBC, explains what the trial is about. Sussman is charged with a single count of making false statements to the FBI during a September 2016 meeting with the Bureau's general counsel. The meeting was about a theory, since disproven, suggesting ties between a Kremlin-linked bank and a computer server at the Trump Organization. Sussman told FBI Director, uh, General Counsel sorry, James Baker he wasn't passing the material along at the behest of any client. But prosecutors say that was a lie and that Sussman was in fact acting on behalf of a tech executive as well as Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. Delaney and also describes how the lawyers for Sussman feel about the charges against their client. They say the charges are completely bogus and never should have been brought. They say Sussman did not lie and was not representing the tech executive or the Clinton campaign during that meeting. And they say Durham is pursuing what is essentially a right-wing fever dream designed to discredit legitimate concerns about the help that the Trump campaign got from Russia. Meantime, former federal prosecutor Brett Tolman joined Fox News and says... He believes Durham will use this trial to get Sussman to cooperate. You know, he's facing up to five years in federal prison. And when you decide to go to trial, you also lose all of the uh, benefits that the federal code has to offer for someone that's cooperating with the government. I'm not sure Durham expected that this would go to trial. I think his plan was to, to charge Sussman be able to use this case and hopefully have him cooperate to give him the broader and bigger picture of the conspiracy that involved perhaps even Hillary Clinton and her campaign. Tolman says that Durham has compelling evidence and may be able to still sway Sussman into assisting his investigation. He has enough evidence to make this conviction, but assuming the conviction occurs, at that point, Sussman will have a large incentive to, to help and cooperate in order to lower his sentence right. before the judge. Tolman goes on to say that while Durham has a lot of evidence, he needs witnesses close to the conspiracy to cooperate with his investigation. I think he does have a lot of document, you know, document evidence that I think can support it. But what he's lacking are individuals coming forward that will resonate with the grand jury and with a jury when he tries a larger conspiracy case. And that that's what he needs. He needs individuals that were part of the conspiracy to cooperate. Is the U.S. headed for another economic downturn? Federal Reserve has raised rates twice this year and plans to keep doing so. Part of its bid to cool down the economy and curb red-hot inflation. Higher rates have pushed up borrowing costs for mortgages, credit cards, and other loans. The Fed's moves have raised the question of whether the U.S. is headed toward a recession. 
which some investors fear would happen if the Fed raises rates too quickly. Wells Fargo CEO Charles Scharf believes that volatility in the market is due to the Fed's decisions. I think what we see is um, uh, the fact that the world's reacting to uh, what the Fed is actually doing. Uh, And so in the real world, you've got consumers that are still extraordinarily strong. You've got businesses that are still extraordinarily strong that have figured out how to live in a world of COVID, that have had to deal with supply chain issues for a long time. Um, But you've got the Fed saying that the economy is running too hot, that we need to slow economic growth. Um, And you see the markets reacting to that. And so that volatility is going to continue, and you know rates are going to rise. Scharf believes, in his opinion, the U.S. is headed for another economic downturn. So we live in this strange world where there's still this extraordinarily un, you know, underlying strength in terms of what we see, but you know that it's going to deteriorate. And what we hope is that the strength that we see in consumer and businesses is enough to weather the downturn so the downturn is you know, has some kind of floor to it. Sharp hopes that because other economic factors are strong, if there's a recession, it will be a short one. I think it's going to be hard to avoid, uh, you know, some kind of recession, uh, just given the magnitude of uh, the slowing that has to take place um, and how difficult it is to, you know, get, you know, the world into a very, very na- uh, narrow channel. Um, but I also, again, get the fact that Everyone is so strong going into this, uh, should hopefully provide a cushion such that whatever recession there is, if there is one, is short and not all that deep. U.S. retail sales rose nine-tenths of eight percent in April, a statistic that shows Americans' ability to keep spending even as inflation persists at a nearly 40-year high. The Commerce Department said Tuesday that the increase was driven by greater sales of cars, electronics, and at restaurants. Daybreak Insider's Rich Thomason has those details. Retail sales rose or better than expected nine-tenths of one percent last month. The Commerce Department says the increase was driven by vehicle and electronic sales as well as by business at restaurants, consumers providing crucial support to the economy even after a year of skyrocketing prices for gas, food, rent, and other necessities. Nearly 43,000 people were killed on U.S. roads last year, the highest number in 16 years as Americans returned to the roads after the coronavirus pandemic forced many to stay at home. Daybreak Insider's Ben Thomas has that story. The Governor's Highway Safety Administration blames the increase on dangerous behavior such as speeding, driving while impaired, and distracted driving, as well as roads designed for speed instead of safety. With Americans logging 325 billion more miles last year than in 2020, traffic deaths rose 10.5 percent, nearly 43,000 lives lost. And finally, Congress held its first hearing in a half-century Tuesday on unidentified flying objects. And to the dismay of many, they still haven't acknowledged the existence of extraterrestrials. Pentagon officials did not disclose information from any ongoing investigation of hundreds of unexplained sightings in the sky, but did say they had picked a director for a new task force, 
to coordinate data collection efforts on what the government has officially labeled Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or UAP. Scott Bray, the Deputy Director of Naval Intelligence, describes the difficulties in studying UAP. As we detailed in both the unclassified and classified versions of the preliminary assessment released by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence last June, this often limited amount of high-quality data uh, and reporting hampers our ability to draw firm conclusions about the nature or intent of UAP. Bray goes on to say that he's like many Americans in his desire to understand just what these objects are. This is a popular topic uh, in our nation with various theories as to what these objects may be and where they originate. By nature... We are all curious, and we seek to understand the unknown. And as a lifelong intelligence professional, I'm impatient. I want immediate explanations for this as much as anyone else. However, Bray cautions that the public release of the data they collect should not give adversaries to the U.S. insight on how we are able to gather data on UAP. However, understanding can take significant time and effort. It's why we've endeavored to concentrate on this data-driven process to drive fact-based results. And given the nature of our business, national defense, we've had to sometimes be less forthcoming with information in open forums than many would hope. If UAP do indeed represent a potential threat to our security, then the capabilities, systems, processes, and sources we use to observe, record, study, or analyze these phenomena need to be classified at appropriate levels. We do not want, we do not want potential adversaries to know exactly what we're able to see or understand or how we come to the conclusions we make. Therefore, public disclosures must be carefully considered on a case-by-case basis. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.